Slave Radio Project was our last best hope for news. A self-contained podcast two hours long, located in neutral territory. A place of nonsense and innuendo for forum dads, community members, and developers. A shining beacon in space. All alone on a Tuesday night. It was the dawn of the third chapter of Elite. The year Space Lakes came upon us all. This is the story of the last of the Ladian stations. The year is 3307. The name of the place? Lave Radio. Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 329 of Lave Radio, the show that likes to talk about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Commander Phoenix Sophia, otherwise known as Colin Ford, and joining me in the orange cyber bar for this episode, we have our head uh, of health and safety, Ben Mosswoodwood, otherwise known as Edla Weiss. I'm pressing buttons and working on bots. All feel, all fear are robot overlords. Uh, we also have our Deputy Trade Attaché, Commander Souverine. What up? Also, we have our Inhuman Resources Director, Commander Shan. Hello. And helping us out on Tech Tonight, we have our Tech Monkey, Commander Ventura, otherwise known as Norman. Hello, how are we doing? Um, now, if you wish, you can join us live. We are hanging out in-game, in open. I do believe at the Orange Signed Wind Bar or at our Lave Station. Um, you you uh, believe incorrectly. Oh, where are you now? I am currently at the um oh where the CG is in the oh um, right yes yes so when, when when I'm soft pressing buttons and doing things I'm going I'm going to whip out my big weapon and maybe might maybe throw it around a little bit. Maybe we should turn this into a, into a game where Ben's ship is painted is painted red and white stripes, and we can have a game of where's Ben instead of where's Wally, you know? Yeah, because there'd be so so many, um, so many difficult people to hide behind, won't there? Oh, there's lots of difficult people in Elite, so you know. It'd be... Yeah. Uh, well, if you can't get to us in-game, you can join the Twitch chat channel, which you can access through laveradio.com slash live. Click on the live chat. Or go straight to twitch.tv slash laveradio. Or go to Lave Radio on YouTube. Or Lave Radio on Facebook, because we're heading out to all of them. So, uh, we'll just quickly go around the team, see how everyone's been for the last week. And um, hesitantly, I think we should start with Commander Shan this week. Yes, let me see. In-game, I've been 
still making my way to Beagle Point, the slow way round. Highlights of that trip this week are I discovered a water giant and a ringed earth-like. So I hadn't seen a ringed earth-like before, so that was one to tick off the bucket list. And water giants are quite rare. So out of game, well, today's pancake day. Just tinged with a note of sadness for this pancake day because this is the first time in nearly 821 years that the Aisley football match has been cancelled. And this is the organised street brawl of a town in Warwickshire where basically they take over a high street, board up all the shops and just have a, an attempt to grab a football from someone and it soon turns into a mass brawl and traditionally the only rule has been you're not allowed to kill anyone um so that's the first time it hasn't happened for over 120 years because of the uh covid situation so that's sad on the upside it being pancake day mrs shan introduced me to uh, her favorite pancake which is cream egg pancakes so you make your pancake and then you cut up Cadbury's cream eggs and put them in the pancake and then wrap it up and then you eat the pancake with cream eggs inside. Sounds lovely. All right. You, okay. you, need to, you need to check your insulin before you eat them, but, you know, they're nice. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, pancakes are being made in this house, even as I speak, which is is always nice to smell. Anyway. Um, will, will you have remote pancakes delivered to you during the show? I have no idea. I'd like to think so. Oh, I, I, I hope you get fed pancakes. <laughs> you, you'll have to tell us what you have. What would you have on your pancakes then, Colin? What would your choice be? It's always golden syrup. Anything else than other than golden syrup? And I'm afraid you're, there's something wrong with you. So not lemon and sugar, the, the traditional. Are you sick? Take a no, look at that. Yeah, I, I'm, so I, I'm one of two things on pancakes. You know, either I'll go for a sa- well, savoury-ish pancake and have a bacon pancake maybe with a bit of syrup on it, um, you know, or I'm going lemon and sugar as well. I think you should try cream eggs. I, I, and get cream I would eggs. like to try cream eggs, but it does sound very, very sickly. Oh, yeah. Lemon and sugar. Lemon and sugar, butter and, butter and syrup, okay. That's an American-style pancake, isn't it? Butter and syrup. Might be. Or is it deep-fried butter? Um, golden syrup? Well, we'll move on from the confectionaries because um, you're making me feel hungry. Uh, so, <laughs> Zuberine, what have you been up to this week? Uh, I have been um, I have been playing Total Warhammer with uh, Atrus and Polish Dan, um, which is absolutely spectacularly good fun. Uh, we have. Um, I was playing it with Atrus the other day, and uh, and he said. Um, Oh, Polish Dan plays this as well and, and really likes it. We should get him involved. So we have uh, we've started a little a little group, and uh, we've got Atrus and I have a co-op game going where we're um, we're two Skaven factions and we're taking over the old world. And um, and Dan and I have a have a game going where we are um, two different dwarven factions. Um, and uh, and the other and those guys have a have a co-op game where they are the Empire, I believe. Um, and uh, and we've sp- basically spent all week. Uh, playing our games and sending each other uh, Total Warhammer 3 hype and uh, generally um, being excitable 
teenagers over it and it's been incredibly good fun really really good fun and i haven't played any elite at all and i'm terribly sorry um and um and actually any listeners who uh who play total warhammer and um and would like uh to find some friends to play it with then do send me a pm on the or, or ping me on the lave server because we will be very happy to include more uh more lovely people in our little group so, so what is your choice of pancake then Sue? Uh, probably lemon and sugar. Actually, I I, I think I, oh, pancake. Yeah. They just... need acidity. They need acidity, Colin. You can't like a pancake with just golden syrup. Is just it's too sickly. If there's no acidity, you, you want one and you're done. So I guess a wider question for those who want um, <laughs> sugar and lemon: Do you put do you like multi layer it? So do you have like put lemon and sugar? then fold it, and then lemon and sugar on top, or do you have a single dose of lemon and sugar and then leave it be? Uh, and roll. I'd probably lemon and sugar and then roll it up, I reckon. Yeah, I'm saying. Well, I am, also I'm, like being in a pancake minority, Colin. <laughs> I mean, I seem to be in a minority about a lot of things, for instance. And and the pancakes have gone. I, I It does seem that I am I'm not getting one. Have you missed out on your pancakes? Because I, I'm, I've sacrificed my pancakes to do this show. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to donate your pancakes to Colin, please send them to 143 Lave <laughs> Station. Colin works so many hours a week to bring you Lave Station. But for just five pancakes a week... <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, so <laughs> or the crepe show. Oh, a crepe! Oh, of course, we would be. Uh, ben, what have you been up to this week? Uh, what have I been up to? I've been up to not a hell of a lot, really. Um, work's been work. Um, gaming, I've been you know, doing my usual thing of the past few weeks. You know, a little bit of Elite, a little bit of Star Citizen, a little bit of RimWorld, a little bit of Minecraft. Um, I've been on the porridge because it's been fecking freezing. Um, so, you know, I think porridge for breakfast has been the excitement of my week. So who was disappointed when they had ready break when they were a kid? You didn't actually glow. Oh, God, ready break is it's like eating cardboard. Yeah, but remember seeing the adverts and not and being disappointed when you were about seven, you didn't actually glow like the kids in the ready break advert. No, uh, really no. the difference between TV and real life. No, unless of course you were near Chernobyl. <laughs> well, I remember. Fe- I actually remember feeding my brother copious amounts of ready break to see if the fact he wasn't glowing was the fact you actually ate too little of it. So, because he was a child, you see, and in a high chair, he was he was a captive guinea pig, and I could just keep spooning in ready break to make him glow. And now we we now know where it all started. <laughs> Um, well, let's see what's been happening with me. Well, I went for the CG in a big way this uh, uh, this week. Um, of course, we'll be discussing that later. Uh, but apart from that, um, that has been it for uh, for the moment. Uh, other games, are, yes, I'm still. I've found. I've discovered Final Fantasy XV's got this thing called Comrades, and uh, that's good. I've been thoroughly enjoying that. A little bit too much, I think. Uh, and um, yeah. So 
I think it's time to move on to, let's see, the development news that's been happening this week. Now, obviously, they had um, Thursday's stream, which was the Stargazing Tours with Down to Earth Astronomy, who was on the show last week, for all of you who were listening. Yeah, who caught this one? It was a fun little exploring thing with Down to Earth Astronomy. Yeah. Um, we should point out at this moment that there isn't any new Odyssey news this week. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like it. Um, so, yeah. So we had done to Earth Astronomy um, explaining to Arthur basically some of the nicer places to discover. Um, other news is that uh, PC Gamer has been covering a bit of Elite Dangerous, uh, and that's mostly to do with the uh, anti-bot initiative that's been happening. Um, they went into an in-depth discussion about um, how many people they suspect are doing it, um, and Frontier have released a response on the forum, which we'll put a link to uh, in the show notes, effectively saying the same things that they always do, which is, um, yes, we we are aware, we are investigating, and we do take action, but we're not going to tell you what action uh, we take. So what's your reaction to the to that? Uh, it's, it's, it's a non-answer. It, like... So and so, so and so presents you with ev- evidence of a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of other people chime in saying, "Yep, yeah, bad thing exists." Mm-hmm. Uh, you reply with, uh, "We take a very dim view of bad things, and we will do lots of. Uh, we are doing lots of hard work uh, to minimise bad things, but we won't give you any proof of this, and we won't, uh, and um, and we won't uh, explain how or why." Um, yeah. Or in what way? Like it's it's just it's just this, it's just sort of the bare minimum of of lip service. Um, I, I I don't I don't think Frontier's policy on this is right. Other 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 developers run online games. Other developers struggle with botting. Other developers combat it differently, more publicly. Um, they they uh, they publish lists of of actions they've taken and and accounts they've banned and and all that sort of thing and statistics. Um, and uh, and with, with you know, to, to seemingly no ill effect, um, it is not enough that you do things by, by you know, it, it, this this problem has been around for years. Frontier said mm-hmm. three or four years ago, we're do, we're doing lots of things behind the scenes. Just trust us. No, we won't we, we won't tell you what we're doing, but we're doing it. Um, and then lo and behold, a few years later, botting is still a massive problem in the game. So clearly, whatever Frontier think they're doing isn't isn't good enough. Like it, it is not enough to just say, shut up, we're dealing with it. You know, leave it to us. Uh, we're, we're not going to give you any proof of that. If if the if you if your actions clearly aren't resulting in fewer bots, that is the thing, though. Um, because if you as you said, Sue, if you look at what happens in other games, and also from a if you like a moral imperative, is that if you are meeting out justice, it has to be seen to be public, because then you then other people see, oh, that's happening. If you do that, then this is what will happen. Precisely. Uh, uh, and then that not only does that act as a, a punishment in itself, but it also acts as a deterrent. And it actually, I think, uh, builds respect for the game developers or whoever's running the game, simply because people can see cause and effect. A, a kind of like uh, sweep it under the carpet and um, not tell anyone. It does sound very, um, I don't know, dictatorish or 
Secret Service-ish. You know, it almost sounds like a uh, South American dictatorship, doesn't it? Or, or... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little, it's a little bit like Putin telling the West, "Don't worry about Navalny; he's going to be fine. We'll deal with him internally." Yeah, that that kind of thing. But no, we're on that scale, shall we say? Right. <laughs> so, so it's sort of like uh, Myanmar kind of level, is thing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, the one thing that does worry me about this is the fact that if they did start doing the, oh, we have managed to ban X number of players or shadow ban X number of players this, this month, the, the, the chances are that, you know, that might give information to some of the hackers that are, Ugh. because they're doing a trick and they've noticed they haven't been picked up yet. So what? I mean, I'm yes. only, well, I'm I'm only playing devil's advocate on this one. I'm I'm actually agree with you at this point. Yeah, I, 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 I've heard that argument before. People saying, "Oh, you know, they can't they can't tell us how many accounts they've banned. They can't actually they can't actually prove that they've done anything to combat botting because, oh, you know, that might give the bots useful information." Shut up. Who cares? What what useful information could you pop? What useful information could you possibly give to to botters by demonstrating to the to the community who play your game that you're that you're actually doing something about botting? Like it just. Just nonsense. Just ban See, them and tell is, people that you're banning them. Yeah, if it was me, I'd do a little weekly chart, a little graph. That's what um, that's what <laughs> the Eve devs do, isn't it? Yeah, they, maybe um, have someone like Chris Whitty kind of <laughs> present it or something. CCP with Eve, they do actually publish like info, um, what they called um, infographs, I think, um, like sort of pictorial um, diagrams showing uh, showing sort of the, the types of activity that they've banned for and the numbers of counts that they've banned for and, and all that sort of thing. But it is a fundamental yeah. thing, though. Justice has to be seen to be public. I mean, that's a... Yeah, I do worry about the Shan approach because you'll have a, a sort of like a 40-page in-depth PowerPoint. Next uh, slides, please. This person was banned because of this particular reason. This is where he lives. This is this is his great uncle. This is this is why he's in debt. No, 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 I wouldn't. I wouldn't box him. I wouldn't box him. I'd have. Um, I, I'd do it by um, by age, and then any mental weaknesses they had, you know, that would lead them <laughs> to doing it. I, serious question though. Like I, I don't see any. I don't see any problem with um, with publishing a list of actual accounts that you've banned because people's accounts are not their real names. Like saying, uh, saying, oh, this week we we banned Noob Slayer sixty nine, and we um, uh, and and so and so has been punted to to um, to. Uh, their own instance in open, and they can never, in, they can never, they can never match make with them. Yeah. I, 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 I don't see a risk with that, really. Uh, well, I do because the, you can't guarantee that the account name is not the real name. Sorry. You might have a commander Colin Ford out there who is being an absolute pain in the ass, and Sorry. all of a sudden, um, it turns out he's banned. But people might confuse that commander with this one, and I don't want that. It's, the thing is, though, as I'm yeah. sure I've mentioned this before, is that uh, just after Guild Wars 2 was launched, um, there was an exploit that loads of people used and to get an advantage. And then about 3,000 accounts, I think it was, all of a sudden got banned in one go. And remember, the game had only just come out. And uh, what uh, ArenaNet did was not only did they publish the player names who they banned, they also published excerpts from the QQ Why Have I Been Banned 
tickets said mm. band players did so you know you had things like oh you banned me in unjustly i didn't know it was an exploit etc and they'd actually publish their response which would be things like well you knew you're not supposed to get this stuff at this level surely your common sense told you something was wrong still banned or something like that and it was quite brutal in their approach but by goodness is it sent a message about not exploiting exactly that that's how you that's how you do it that's it's it it still feels like i i just i just think frontier frontier could be a little bolder recognize that they need to demonstrate that they're doing something they can't just say they're doing something in in the in in if if they said they were doing something and then all the botting went away that would be fine great we tr- okay nice one frontier you said you were did, doing something you didn't demonstrate what what it was you didn't give us any proof but the botting's gone away so we can trust that that happened but that hasn't happened botting's been at bot- I, I remember writing an article about this in for sagai like 3 years ago and it was a massive deal 3 years ago and 3 mm-hmm. years ago frontier said oh you know we 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 view botting very dimly and we take it very seriously at frontier and we're doing lots and lots to combat it and we're not going to tell you what it is and uh, and and lo and behold, three years of three years of them taking a dim view has done absolutely nothing. So of course we're not going to. Of course it's not enough. If you want to run an if you want to run an MMO, you've got to take stuff like this quite seriously. I think. Right. Well. Okay. We'll leave that one, that bit of um, uh, cheating, and then quickly move on to the other bit of cheating, which was the new player scam that has been covered quite extensively on Massively OP for the last week or so. In fact, it's been rating quite highly in their uh, in their comments. Um, what we're going to do is uh, we'll put some links into the, their articles in the show notes. Um, but the one of the things that they they did cover using this as an example was that. On their vague patch notes articles, they went, sometimes emergent gameplay in MMOs isn't really a defense for awful behavior, which I thought was a fantastically good um, topic and, and, and debate to, to be had, even though we went into it, into it a great deal last week. Um, so that's that's that. I think we'll, we'll draw a line under the new player scam for the moment, unless some new information comes up. Um, we also had forum maintenance today, which basically meant the forum disappeared for about an hour and then came back in all its usual glory. <clears throat> then we actually have some big news. Um, Elite Dangerous is coming to the uh, Xbox Game Pass on 25th of February. Now, this means that you get it for free, doesn't it, for a certain period of time? Uh, you get it for a quid, I think it is. If you sign up for a month, you get it for a quid, and then you have to subscribe after that. Basically, if you, oh, if you go right, yeah. Game Pass, you have access to Elite Dangerous. Game Pass uh, is also, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, there's also, I mean, Game Pass is, if there's games on it that you like, and there are some good games on it, it does represent mm-hmm. fairly good value for money. Um, there's also a difference, though, because you've got Xbox Game Pass and you've got the Windows 10 Game Pass. And there is crossover, but they're not identical. Sometimes you can buy one that's the other. Sometimes you can buy the other one and it doesn't does include it. It's it feels to me like it's Microsoft's usual le- level of obfuscation. Um, right. But I mean, I'm more I'm already paying a, a whole load out every month so that my son can play on the Xbox with his friends, mm-hmm. which I'm not bitter about in any way whatsoever. But oh, no. um, Get him to sell credits. Oh, just keep. So if you have the Game Pass on Xbox, can you play games on the PC 
under the same pass, or do you have to buy? It depends. It depends exactly what package you've got. There's, you can the... buy. Yeah, go through if you want. Um, the, uh, it, the, the there's Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, Xbox Game Pop, uh, Xbox Game Pass for PC, and Xbox Game Pass for uh, for the Xbox. Um, and um, uh, I, I have had the Xbox PC Game Pass, which has just gone up from four quid to eight quid per month, um, and it is spectacularly good value if the way you play games is to. Uh, buy something for between 30 and 60 quid, play it for 40 to 60 hours, and then move on and play something else. Um, because the rotating, the, the carousel of games is is extremely high caliber. There's, a, there's usually at least sort of seven or eight things in there that are from mid to mid to large publishers um, and very, very high rated. Um, and they, they, they sort of come and go quite quickly. But I, I don't think um, Xbox... I don't know. I don't know if the if the range is identical between the ultimate version and the and the base PC version, or whether it's just that the um, uh, or whether the the like the features and accessibility, a number of devices and and yada yada are different. Um, but the um, uh, I know that the um, I know that it's a slightly different offering for the Xbox than it is for the PC. Right. Okay. Well, um, I look forward to getting that if you've if you've not already got a copy, but. Somehow, I think if you're listening to this, you've probably already got one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Someone might be thinking, what's this live radio all about? And then, no. If you've be been honest. listening to this show for a while and you don't play or own Elite Dangerous, then you should probably be asking yourself some pretty searching questions, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't like the game, but I do like the podcast. I don't think that'll work. <laughs> yeah. Crap game. Great podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see that appear in the comments. We do quite often get people saying, I stopped playing Elite Dangerous three weeks ago, but I listened to you guys religiously. Not three weeks. You know, like, I stopped playing the game years ago. I mean, most oh, of our... Like, to you. The, the friends of mine who listen to Lave are all ex-players. They're all, they're all former Elite Dangerous players. Oh, well. At least we can be a little bit... Elite. Aren't you a little bit worried that people play Elite avidly, listen to our show, and then don't play Elite anymore? <laughs> oh, I we're looking for Elite alumni. But they still listen to the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. That's okay. That's, that's good, and we love it. That's fine. That is so, okay. so are we saying we'd rather people listen to our show than play the game? Well, yeah, it's our show. I prefer them to be playing the game while listening to this show. While wearing a Lave Radio t-shirt, flying a Lave Radio paint job. Yeah, of course. Drink, drinking from a Lave Radio mug. Uh, that's one thing we don't have. I don't think we we've got have. a Lave Radio mug. Ugh. Do you think we should do Lave Radio merchandise, like an I Heart Ben mug or something like that? God, no. Oh, they wouldn't sell that. Oh, oh no. We, no. We are the Garnet News of, of Lave Radio, for, of, of Elite Dangerous. You know, we play the game so they don't have to. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Rave Radio telling to be plushies, you know. Oh, God, well, that'd be terrifying. According to PsychoCal, we used to have Lave Radio mugs. We don't have them anymore. We should make new ones with, like, with host-specific slogans on them. Like, like don't get I, in Shan's fleet carrier or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you're going to get uh, onto a mug. <laughs> or, or, oh, Ben. <laughs> 
Right. Well, carrying oh, on. Colin. <laughs> oh, Carla. <clears throat> oh no. Oh, this is no. That, that's that's gone. You could uh, even re- go in. You could, you could even go into like thermos flasks, so you'd have like a sausage-shaped thermos flask oh, no. with pen on this it. Is, this is this is going somewhere. I do not want any of us to go. Thank you very much. And like we'll go the back. sausage-shaped thermos flask. <laughs> we could even go into. We could go into adult merchandise. Somehow, I, I got this feeling that we were heading there anyway. Which is why adult merchandise you think of you. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. Um, maybe, maybe like Edelweiss branded uh, handcuffs potentially. And uh, mute. <laughs> and mute. <laughs> and mute. Right <laughs> for the moment. Um, I will just quickly bring everybody else up with it. With. Um, this Thursday's stream, um, we're going to have uh, Dr. Ross, who's going to be talking about her new work with the Stella Forge that they've been doing for Odyssey. And we're also going to have Twitch drops. So I'm going to just re-enable everybody now, see if they're still okay with me. Here we go. Um, whips would work yeah, as well. We've got, we've got, well, we've also got the... We've got the yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, so basically, I'm just about to talk about Dr. Ross, and you gentlemen are all talking about whips. I hope that I hope she's I not wasn't. Really offense. I wasn't <laughs> talking about whips. Shan had this red idea for lubricant that could double up as uh, double up as um, uh, being um, as working for your uh, the moving parts on your spaceship. Um, but we thought that was you see. I was actually think, I was actually thinking of like uh, latex cosplay. Spaces. Nice. <laughs> Wipe clean. Yes. Well, uh, if, well, Psycho Cow beat you all to it because he's gone the uh, Edelweiss plastic easy wipe underwear. It's <laughs> 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 now put a mental image in my head that uh, I want. I'm going to need therapy from now on after this episode. Actually, yeah. no, no. You, you could you can put them on the Teletubby as well, couldn't you? you can run them both. So you could accessorize your laid radio telescope with the um, <coughs> white clean underwear. Just don't tell you tubbies wear that sort of nappy thing. <laughs> oh, God. Yes, and, and FTM Cloud Atlas says WD69. Yeah, there you go. Right. <laughs> Is it all out your system now? Oh, no, no. We can go on all day. Um, oh, it depends yes. who you're asking. Excellent. Let's, let's remember that one for next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I was saying, Thursday's stream has got Dr. Ross uh, talking about the Stellar Forge and how it's used in the the new Odyssey update, and there will be Twitch drops. Now, does this mean that we'll actually have some serious information this Thursday? Probably. It's really exciting because nobody knows more than Dr. Ross about... uh, about the planetary generation tech and uh, the little snippets that we've got from her when she's talked about it before have been absolutely fascinating. So I'm really, really hopeful that this is uh, that this is a good stream. I'm sure it will be. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. Do we know what the Twitch drops are? Which is the first question people will be asking. Um, I don't think no. Do yet. <laughs> no, we don't. So, uh, yeah, we got... Um, yeah, but they just said Twitch drops. 
could be skins. They they didn't even go into what kind of uh, Twitch drops there were. So we just know that there is a drop. It's happening in Twitch, and it will be happening. So do we need a Twitch alert song? <laughs> do we need a Twitch alert song? Yeah, that's a Twitch point. drop alert. Mm, it's not the same as a store alert, is it? What about Twitch drop? Twitch drop incoming. Twitch incoming. Like, oh no, that just sounds like diarrhea. Um, <laughs> anyway, moving further on from there, um, the content. Well, they've had an update from uh, the Burr Pit, which is quite interesting. It seems that one of the issues with Odyssey. Oh, is it with Odyssey or just PS4 players in general? They're having issues deploying fighters and SRVs, which means that things have got to be investigated. Hello? I'm not sure. No, no, I was just thinking about it. I, I'm not sure, to be honest. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, they, Good. They have... Good. That was a that was a thorough discussion of that topic. I think we can move on safe in the knowledge that we've put that to bed. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. Uh, well, Ben's had to disappear because um, of some serious issues. So uh, we'll catch up with him later, if at all. So um, moving on from there, they've said that you can't get out of your ships if you're going to die. Well, they've already said that you can't get you can get out of your ships and explore thargoid and guardian sites hold on Colin, uh, are we just um are you going to go through all of them or do you want to comment on each on each one well if, if i'm a little on, on bit i'm a little bit disappointed you can't choose to get out of the ship, ship even if it'll kill you i'm even more disappointed you can't push someone else out of your ship when they'll die um, yeah, I don't know. It just sort of like takes away a choice, a decision, or something like that. Because if you get this, like, you must be this tall to get out here. It, it, I don't know. It just kind of takes away that freedom in some way. Yeah, I, I, I'm generally in favour of player agency, even if it means, uh, even if it means, yeah, the player dies. So, a good example of this is um, Valheim, the survival game that's been blowing up on uh, Steam this last week. Um, in that game, you start off in an area called the Meadows in which there are a few threats, and it's just a it's just a nice sunny area in which you can play around and build things in a low-threat environment. Um, <clears throat> if you walk into uh, a more dangerous biome, um, the game tells you um, a little bird flies next to you with a little exclamation mark above it and, and says... Um, you're you're going you're moving into into more dangerous uh, into a more dangerous area. You you're not equipped for this. Um, that is really good. And as a new player, you are very very likely to die if you go into that biome. But the game doesn't prohibit you from doing doing so. It just it just it just telegraphs that it is dangerous. I, I would I don't I don't I don't think it's a huge deal. But I would slightly prefer it if Frontier did the same thing with um, uh, with hazardous planets. Like when you when you got out on a high a, high, a, 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 gravi- a planet with gravity too high, that it uh, it did the same thing. It said, you know, warning, dangerous, dangerous levels of gravity, but it still let you do it because it would be, it would feel like you had more agency in the game world. Well, that's the thing because there's a balance to go, isn't it? If you remember the old text adventures from the 1980s, you know, you type in south, you go south, you immediately fall off a cliff, you are dead, mm. restart, whatever. That's bad gameplay, but 
you know, having the decision, I know it's going to be dangerous. I know I'm going to die. And then having that knowledge and still doing it, that's different. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a minor thing. It's not going to, it's not going to be, a, I don't want to sound like two veterans whining about nothing cause it, because it, it, it really is not going to be a, uh, an experience shattering change, but it would be, um, I, I generally think it would be quite cool if the game let us, if the game warned us that doing something would be dangerous, but still let us See, do the it. thing is, I mean, the way I would do it, I wouldn't even have it black or white, you're going to die. I would say, this is ha- warning, hazardous environment, death probable. And then that encourages you to step out and see if it will kill you, to try and push the boundary of what's yeah. survivable. Exactly. Precisely that. Be fun. Um, so... We the other one was that we can't get out of our ships. People are going to die. We had that, but then we said we can get out of our ships and explore Thargoid Guardian sites. Assuming, and I, I took that as a given. Yeah, I did as well. I it, yeah, it, the, the, those those sites would need to be kind of fenced off or otherwise in, inaccessible for players for us not to be able to explore them. I'd, I'd taken it as a given that we'd be able to explore those. Do you think, you know, when we do the um, Stephen Usher form of um, Thargoid investigation and put a Guardian relic in there, do you think we should be survivable in that lot? Or do you think that that, that should be one of the ones that kills us? Well, considering how much damage it did to the SLVs, then I think no. I think that should vape you. And if you're stupid enough to do that, <laughs> tough. So yeah, but I guess Thargoid sites and Guardian sites are all quite low G, aren't they? Uh, most of them are, yeah. And uh, environmental conditions won't kill us. Now, is that something you need to test, or do you think you'll get the equivalent of a little bird saying, don't go here? Well, considering how much damage that the um, the environmental conditions did to the SLV, because you had to pick up um, a ton of... Uh, you had to pick up guardian relics to uh, to get through the front door. Now, those guardian rec- relics will melt your spacesuit. Mm. But given that they won't, they'll actually weigh less than a ton equivalent because they're low G, it could be theoretically possible to pick them up. Yeah, it, it, it could be. Um, well, it, I guess we're, we're just, it's one of these things that I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we can uh, and it, it might give you your Okay, here is your Darwin Award for setting off the setting off the the uh, Guardian response in a Thargoid base. Yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, that's what you two want, basically. Is, yes, yeah. uh, you want you something want, like that. You, you want to be able to hand out Darwin Awards to stupid commanders. Uh, well, yes. no, because I, I would probably be that stupid commander. Oh no! I mean, I want two things. Yes, I, I want whoever does it first named to go in the codex. For that as like a Darwin Award. And, and then I want the ability to invite commanders in to have a look at this Thargoid device, drop the relic in, run out, and um, have an achievement for how many commanders you can take out by toasting them. That sort of thing. Yeah. Um, this is actually um, touching on a lot of the subject, the main sub- uh, topic that we've got put aside for tonight. So um, hold your fire. And I'll let you unleash later. How does that sound? Kinky. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to unleash when you say so, Colin. Okay, oh, you two have got something on the brain tonight, and I don't know what it is. Quite worrying. Lemon and sugar pancake. 
<laughs> yes, up. this this is why you shouldn't have lemon and sugar ca- uh, pancakes, people. This is what it does to people. It's all that talk oh. about it's all that talk about handcuffs and ball gags, Colin. If you if you hadn't started banging on about all that stuff, then we would still be uh, we'd be rattling on to the main topic by now. Ah oh dear, um, I'd just like to to welcome uh, Mac Winston <laughs> from the East India Company, who's who's uh, jumped in as a last minute replacement. Um, unfortunately, uh, I, I, I can only apologise yet again for is he supposed to be the grown up subject matter here? Is he supposed to be the grown up now? He, he's a, he's the the replacement for Ben, so I assume no. Stunt Ben. Stunt Ben. Stunt yes. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> is he inflatable like the pilot in airplanes I, I'm the that... blow up Ben <laughs> oh no 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 this is just getting very very no with I, a ball I, gag I... <laughs> <laughs> Mac is our wipe clean inflatable <laughs> Ben around this, the gag. this is going to be <laughs> a running blow gag man, yes. the running gag <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you won't be able to if you're chained up. <laughs> right. Colin embraces it. He embraces the madness. Yes. One of us. One, one of us. us. One of us. <laughs> uh, dear. Next point was sort of, if you don't own Odyssey, then you can't land on any Odyssey unlocked planet. I thought that would be obvious. Yeah, me too. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I know it does sort of bleed into the, the main topic, but I could understand you not being able to get out of your SRV on me if you haven't got Odyssey. But why should you not be able to land on an Odyssey on a lot planet? Um, right. Yeah, it, it, it's probably they've got to make the arbitrary cutoff somewhere. Um, and the Odyssey yeah, not planet... being able to get out of your SRV if you haven't got. If, yeah, you, but then you're you're still enjoying quite a lot of Odyssey content because you're enjoying all the beautiful beautiful atmospheres and stuff. Like they've they've got to make the arbitrary cut off somewhere, and that, and, it, and it's consistent with their treatment of Horizons. With Horizons, you couldn't land on the planets. Well, what the what they did in Frontier First Encounters is that you had to buy planetary shields in order to re-enter a planet that had uh, uh, basically an atmosphere. So um, they can just simply have something like that. Like there is a, the, there's a landing suite that on Horizons, which meant if you had that fitted to your ship, you automatically could land. And I'll do the same. They do the same thing with atmospheres. Ships cannot land on a planet without these atmospheric. Ships. Let's move this to the main topic because that there's all sorts of rabbit holes that opens up. <laughs> anyway. Um, and finally, um, FDev have revealed they want to revisit existing ships and do a balance point at some point after Odyssey. Mind you, they've been saying a lot of things that they're going to do after Odyssey, such as power play fixes and all the rest of it. So, yeah. That's actually really interesting as a comment. Like, what prompted that? Did that just come out of the ether? Did that come out of the blue? Did they just say, no, by the way, we want, to balance, we want to rebalance some ships? Well, ship. it depends on what ships they do, because people have been saying for many years the Anaconda is too magical, you know, in that it jumps further and its hull is really light and it jumps further than it should and all sorts of stuff. And the further lance, the shields are too strong and that sort of stuff like that. So a lot of this has come out from player comments over the years. Um, so it'll be interesting to me what they do by balancing. Um, is it just going to be like tweaks to hard points or 
maneuverability, or are they going to look at, as I say, super ships like Anaconda and Fergalant and think, well, actually, uh, these are outliers to what the capabilities of the rest of the fleet are? Okay, Mac, you got a response yeah, what, to that? What I'm hoping to do in the, uh, what I'd love to see them do in terms of balancing. Um, and it, it would, they probably won't because the amount of salt it'll cause is um, in terms of engineering. Um, engineering is great, but the, the problem is, is everything, a lot of stuff in engineering does good stuff without, there, there's no trade-off. So you can make a, a, a ship that is super powerful with its weapons, but also super well defended. And really at its base, what, you know, these engineering tweaks, what, what I would have always liked to see right from the get-go was if you want to make a ship with really, really high damage per second, it's going to be a glass cannon. Similarly, if you want to make a ship with massively strong, you know, massively strong shields and hull, it's, it's got so little power left over for anything else, it basically can't fire back. So, you know, that, that, that's, that's basically what I'd like to see. Okay, um, I was going to say something completely different, but um, I've been inspired by Max Point to completely change what I was going to say. Also, because I've totally forgotten what I was going to say. <laughs> but um, inspired by Max's excellent point. Um, Shan used to say that um, he wished that they removed engineering from power plants because then power throttling would, the, you know, your power supply would, would form the natural bottleneck for ship builds. Um, and it would mean that it would be much more difficult to, to create a godship. Um, but yes, if if when Frontier say they want to rebalance the ships, if what they mean is they want to rebalance the ability to build ships that have no weakness, that would be amazing. I would love for the game to to be like that, in which you can't build a ship which is just perfect at everything. You you have to choose a specialization and live with those weaknesses. That would be fantastic. <laughs> I do believe that was exactly what you're going to say, Shan. It was yes, because if you well, if you think about it. The, the, the game used to be balanced around power plants before engineering because you couldn't have a vulture with two class three ships yeah, and, absolutely. and absolutely. whatever. So that used to be the balancing pivot with everything. I mean, to, to be fair, if I really wanted to put the cat amongst the pigeons and make the balance more appropriate, it would be I'd get rid of power plants, engineering, and I would also um, nerf Friendship drive ranges. Oh, oh! Now that would cause salt, wouldn't it? That would cause salt. Well, long friendship drive ranges have trivialised exploration and navigation. Yeah, I mean, I must admit the the yeah, right. Again, we'll we'll probably touch on this later. So um, that brings us to the end of the development news. Um, so. Uh, just give me a minute. We will uh, come back with the in-game events. Live radio. It's even louder than me. Wait a minute. That can't be right. Uh, so, in-game events then. Um, first of all, uh, first bit of Galnet news we had was that the takeover of Lacon has now been declared illegal, which, uh, considering what has been happening in the Federation, didn't surprise anybody. Although it did appear that they were going to be uh, taken over by somebody else, which got the cat amongst the pigeons. Um, and then, of course, on Thursday, we all got um, our um, passes 
into the into the system where um, the Juniper, the <laughs> Juniper Jupiter division were hiding out, and it's now the Federation versus um, good old Jupiter Rochester uh, in that CG. Shan, did you want to come in? I was just thinking about the the Lacon de- declared illegal. Is there like the equivalent then? And I'm sure the answer is no. Of the Monopolies and Mergers Commission, because if the Federation go, oh no, you can't take over whatever, then why can't the Alliance go? Oh yes, they can. Thank you very much. We'll have that money. We'll have you can. You well, know, what- funny, funny enough, later on in the news, we'll we'll be just covering exactly that. So shut up. <laughs> no, this is course. This is called um, being asking provocative questions to engage the listener who may not be aware of what I can read in the show notes. So carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought, as you could know what's coming up in the show notes, it might have been a good idea to hold your fire till then. Anyway, um, the CG basically a federal civil war. Um, as a, well, I know I've been taking part in this. Is any any of you two? Ben was, uh, but he's had to go. If it doesn't take place in Total War Warhammer, I probably haven't, I'm afraid. No. Mac, has this been uh, piquing your interest? Mac, do you play that Elite uh, Dangerous game? Yes. Uh, the, I'm playing it right now, actually. The um, this this I've already seen this. The, the CG has started with uh, already with the Jupiter Corporation against the Federation. And I'm incredibly disappointed that the Federation are winning. Because I think it, if they lost and the Jupiter Corporation or whatever they're calling themselves these days won, then we might see some new ships. I think that's utter rubbish. I don't think we'd ever see any new ships. Yeah, um, I got got to admit, I, I, I think the narrative team do not dictate to the ship I don't production feel, team when they. I don't, I don't, I don't think the narrative they, team can 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 add ships to the pipeline like that. I don't get why it's even a contest. Because, you know, if you, if you look at the Federation Galactic Superbout, say it's the equivalent of the US. Yeah. Then the Jupiter Division is like, I don't know, Microsoft. You know, you know, and it's kind of like, <laughs> why is there even a battle? Yeah, I, I think in this case, um, and, and also I do believe a lot of the federal players who are taking part uh, are all, well, not all of them, but there's a lot of them of the opinion that people like Jupiter Rochester is what's wrong with the Federation and they need to be cut out. So they've got an opportunity to do that. I'm saying, why is it even a struggle? I, I, I don't get why it's a struggle for the Federation. Well, to anyway. at the moment, it's not because the, the player numbers are, I think, at the, approximately 9,000 people on the Federal side and about 3,000 people on the Jupiter side. So <clears throat> they're getting hammered. Which is what you'd expect. Yeah, and actually, that's that's kind of a, a little bit of an issue with some of these CGs I have. Is there's there's and in fact, I'm going to be making it in an upcoming Sagi article. Is that there's no real fog of war, and you, you think of it, I, the, the same thing's been happening in the Empire. Remember the CGs with against Liz Ryder and all that. You see it after day one that the other side has pulled massively ahead. And even if you're a dyed-in-the-wool imperial something or other, yeah. you're going to think, why should I bother with a CG? Instead, I'm going to just 
do my BGS stuff instead. It's more profitable for me to, I know, push the latest East India Company expansion rather than trying to help out the Empire and the CG because it's already a lost cause on day one. I think that's probably the true. And this this CG is is true as well because I had a look at it like on day one i noticed the because I, I, I would have gone and pushed the the jupiter lot just because it's you know the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing yeah and uh i thought well the, i can already see they're losing so heavily that nothing i do is really going to help and it's a lost cause so i, I kind of well, the the other the other point I was in Colonia as well, which well I back from, <laughs> I'm back from Colonia now. I took I took a fleet I took a bus ride and a fleet carrier, but um, yeah, it was like yeah, nah. No, I no am a little I am a little surprised we haven't seen Imperial players jumping in on Jupiter's side just simply because they can muck things up, yeah, muck things up for the Federation, sort of like or, a proxy war, so to speak. or even the Alliance, you know. It yeah, is a really, that, really good point. The lack of the, the 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 fact that the results are public from from day one definitely means that the um uh that the predictions make themselves come true. Like it, it's a really, really good point. I'd I'd love to see the behavioural impact of hiding the ongoing results and only and only announcing the result at the end of the week. Mm, that might be it. You know what? I th- I think we should suggest that it would be interesting, wouldn't it? It'd be yeah. worth suggesting. I, I think one of the things we'll we'll do we'll actually put that in as, as the uh, community question uh, at the end of the uh, at the end of the show. See if it, see if we can drum up a little bit of interest for those kind yeah, of things. Yeah, have it updated on the server tick on a yeah. Thursday. And, and if, um, if you and also if you look at the, the power players have kind of implemented the the fog of war thing for themselves, and Federation ones are notorious for doing it. They'll hang on to their vouchers until the very last moment and cash them all in, so you don't know exactly where they're fortifying or what have you. Uh, because we we had to we tried to defend against uh, Hudson moving into some of our systems. Not we don't really do power play, but we we, we don't yeah. want we, we didn't want the Federation in our systems. But anyway, that's what they did. They they basically hid their efforts uh, right till the end and then dumped all their vouchers or whatever you do in power play. Like at the last moment, uh, they normally actually do that to to confuse the fifth columners. It's it's actually a, a tra- t- uh, tactic that you use to to screw up the the fifth column people who, who screw up power play anyway. And so it's it's not actually a malicious thing, Mac. It's it's to deal with um, other malicious people. Yeah, I'm not saying it's malicious, but it, it creates a fog of war. Mm. Yeah, and you can say the same thing with the CG, because if you wanted to stick one in the eye of the feds, that's mm. the sort of tactic that you'd do. <laughs> Except, you know, every time you go out, you risk losing your vouchers. Cause... It, it is a really good point, though, as to, like, I, I it's probably because I, I, I'd be interested to know the reasons behind Frontier's de- decision to make all of the results ongoing for everything public. Because it's Max, right? It, when you when you hand in vouchers for power play, it, it it updates immediately, which means it leads to the sniping thing where you hold them hold on to them until the end of the tick. Um, which uh, uh, and but actually, there's there isn't. I can't think of a particularly good gameplay reason to make them all public immediately. Um, and I wonder whether a lot of aspects, a lot of the indirect PvP elements of the game, like 
CGs, PowerPlay, the BGS. I wonder whether a lot of those would be um, probably not the BGS. Maybe take that one out. But the other, the others would. I, I, I'd be interested to see whether they were benefited in terms of the player experience. Whether it would be better if the results were hidden until I don't know the weekly tick, for example. Maybe they can't hide it. Maybe having to hide it requires additional programming resources because that's not how CGs work, though, is it? Well, I mean, it's just it's a UI change to hide it. I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure that clever players could mine the information out, but in terms of the in, in terms of the immediate change, it would just be it would just be removing UI elements. Um, yeah, you'd, you'd still have to work out um, basically keep a lot of information hidden about you know whether or not you're in the top ten percent, top twenty five percent, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it, it, would that matter it, though? It, I mean, it, do, do, do players have a right to know that, or, or, or you know, it, it, if I was to design does, an online it does game, keep you, it does keep I, you motivated. If you, if you all of a sudden um, you're in the top ten percent and you drop down to the top twenty five percent, you sure as heck work to go up that last back up to the the ten percent again. No, I, I'm I'm absolutely I'm sure that's true. Um, I suppose the. I suppose it would be uh, the fact that we have that information. It, it, it is always more painful to take something away once you've had it, rather than never having have it, ha- never having mm-hmm. had it. And um, you know, you, you mentioned motivation. At the moment, there is a motivation problem that Mac just demonstrated, whereby there's no point him. He, he was he had to decide whether to take part in the CG. Looked at the results and uh, and said, "Ah, oh, sod it. There's no point." So, so, so clearly there is a there is a negative motivational ramification as it is if, if you sort of um if it if we if we made it so that you couldn't see the results i think that more people would stay involved for longer on both sides of of bucket filling contests because they wouldn't they wouldn't have any sense of when when something would be futile and therefore if if in max position he had been like oh i'll, I'll chip on on the, on the rochester side because i because i have no idea how popular it's going to be um if you have enough max, then suddenly it doesn't become a self a self fulfilling prophecy. It becomes much more of a close race. Well, there's there's a simple answer to this, isn't there? What is it? Illuminate. Don't look at the screen. <laughs> right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna leave the CG for the moment um, uh, and all its related discussion. Um, Liz Ryder has now made the new missile rack available in all good tech brokers. Uh, hey. The- yeah, the Empire and the Marlinists have prepared for the are preparing for the Power Summit. Little bit of tension there because you know these these the Marlinists are still technically loyal to the Empire, but they just wanted their own say. So, looking forward to a little bit of tension there next week. Uh, and of course, the Alliance has now bought a large amount of shares in Laken. Uh, so basically, they're moving everything to Alioth. And the Council of Admirals are very happy. So yes, that's a really it, bad business move. Shut up! It's a brilliant <laughs> business move. It's a coup of the century. No, no, because why move it to Alios? You need a permit to get in. It's like it's like saying I'm now moving my corporate headquarters of my global organization to North Korea. Well, the the, the store, the the, um, the Lake on uh, shopfronts don't need to be in uh, Alios. It's only the HQ. Yeah. Don't worry about it, Shan. It's fine. And as you're not an alliance player, then you know it's 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 no skin of your nose. Or a or a Lacon pilot. Yeah. I wouldn't be seen dead in a Lacon ship for more than about an hour. Yeah, it can be arranged. 
Uh, <laughs> really look at your dead body in a lake on ship for an hour. Ah, there's nothing wrong with lake on ships. As long no. as it's not found with the ball gag and they ready handcuffs, I won't mind. <laughs> what you do in the privacy of your own lake on is your own your own business, Shan. Uh, stunt chan <laughs> okay well um we've got the newsletter which uh covered a whole load of uh um expeditions and so on that we've been covering for the last couple of weeks um there was of course a store alert store alert unfortunately um it wasn't as funny as the t7 predator pack which I still think is the funniest, <laughs> the funniest paint job they can have. Um, yeah, and, calling uh, a T seven a predator is a bit like being scared of a duck, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever been bitten by a duck? Have you? Well, no. I've been attacked by a <laughs> swan, though. Yeah, but swans are vicious. It's just a big duck. <laughs> and and if you pick on a swan, the queen will come after you. Apparently, swans are absolutely delicious. Like duck, ducks are absolute ducks are super delicious. Geese are even more delicious than ducks. Um, so swans must be like the they must be like the yeah, most. Yeah, but you delicious. can't kill it. You can't you can't kill a swan, and if you eat it, it's a treasonable offence. Hmm. It's same as whales. Whales washed up on shore belong to the queen as well. I'd love to try whale. I'd really, really like to try whale. It would be very unethical. But, uh, I'm sure they sell it in Japan. Yeah, I was about to say, Japan would be quite happy to help you out with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's a whole load of uh, new Challenger paint jobs which have just been made available this week. So, um, <laughs> if you need... Fly that? The Challenger? Hmm. Lots of people like to fly the Challenger. It's a, one of the most popular ships. Is it? Oh, I don't know. It Absolutely. <laughs> oh. I thought we're supposed to be having adverts now. Right. Well, yes. Um, we'd like to just get away from all this by playing you some adverts. And after this, we'll come back with some sensible discussion. The Federal Navy. We want you for Adventures Unlimited. Just last week, I was mixing Sidewinder Slammers at a CD space bar. I wasn't even pilot registered. And now I have a ship and a basic starting mission for the Federal Navy. Owing to recent actions in the Lave region, the Federal Navy now seeks to recruit another 1,000 entry-level pilots. We need you to add your strength to our military machine. I'm going to see the galaxy. We have missions for all pilots, regardless of combat experience or flight hours. Come and talk to us and we'll get you on the military ladder. Join the Federal Navy. Make a real pilot of yourself. Or die trying. Wait, what's that? Is that is that a ship coming? Are they looking for me? What do they? I spend so much time in my Imperial Trader, I find it really hard to meet people. I mean, when do you get the time to go to bars when you're taking on courier jobs for the military? But with VenusDating.com, it was so simple. I just put in my personal details and they found me my perfect match. I really thought it would be difficult, but Venus Dating made it so simple. With so much in common. 
We both like movies, walking along the beach at sunset, browsing imperial shipyards, and of course, since we started dating, we've discovered that we both really love <laughs> shooting thargoids. Let your voyage begin with VenusDating.com for every first encounter. I could murder a cup of tea, Yorkshire Gold, if your habit. Double Yorkshire Gold, <laughs> and if you don't have it, you're dead. Lave Radio, broadcasting to every corner of the galaxy. Eddie Lee Wise here. Our family-run business looks after all your sartorial needs. Whether you need something to turn your pink python purple, or you want to wrap your buns up in a nice tight flight suit, Millsburn Ken can sort you right out. He's an expert at inside leg, and my wife Barb's is a whiz with a sewing machine. Bespoke tarting for you and your ship. Visit Eddie and Sons, plus my daughters, at Lave Station. I'd like to. Right, sir. Cough, please. <coughs> And welcome back. Um, now, our main discussion this week um, is to do with the scientific accuracy within Elite Dangerous. Now, as, as we've already been discussing, um, there is a little bit of an inconsistency. Uh, for example, not being able to land, uh, being able to land on planets with uh, that are above three G, but of course. What, from what they've said in Odyssey, you won't be able to get out of your ship or SRV on that planet. Um, so I'd just like to uh, go around the rest of the crew. Uh, first of all, Shan, you've got an awful lot to talk about on this one. What would you prefer to see um, as far as this is concerned? Well, I think I've been thinking quite a lot about this this afternoon. And I think it's very easy to point at instances where the game is scientifically inaccurate. But then you have to point out it's a game. It's not, you know, there are certain things that have to be in place because it's a game. But so I decided to ask myself, well, what are the inconsistencies in logic within the game itself? Um, so rather than saying, oh, you know, Sagittarius, um, a is X amount too small or too big, or why do we live on Colonia because the amount of radiation in the uh, core is too great? That sort of thing. They're all valid questions, but I think my, my, my point is what parts of the game are inconsistent with the rest of the game? And it's things like um, why you lose all your data when your ship blows up. Um, it's things like, um, we talked about the high G worlds is that, okay, so I can walk, I can walk around in, I can, there can be colonists or colonies on high G worlds. Yeah. It won't let me get my, my SRV cause it'll kill me. Now there's no anti-grav technology in game. Not supposed to be no. So how are the, how are these outposts on the surface with people in them? when I can't go outside because gravity doesn't change yeah. inside and out. So it's that sort of thing. I'm looking for consistency within the elite universe rather than between the elite universe and our universe. 
if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Internal consistency. Yeah, uh, I mean, for instance, the, the, you know, there's an awful lot of places which uh, are. I think one of the the biggest ones is there's in I think it's HL one one eight five, an Empire system way down in the Pleiades. Uh, there is a massive port on a four point two G planet. Now, the question you have to ask is, if you want all this thing to be cons- uh, consistent, would you be happy that all that stuff gets cut? Yup. Get out the I, scissors. Absolutely. I guess it depends on what level of degree, because people, when they think of high G worlds, always tend to think about mobility. Oh, it's too much G for me to move. Well, actually, the effect on the circulation and the organs and stuff is even more pronounced over even quite a short period of time than it is on mobility. So mobility, you can explain away by using exosuits and powerlifters and whatnot. But the effect of the high G on internal organs, you can't really wave that away. Yeah, for some reason, I'm thinking of uh, Warhammer 40,000 squats for some reason. I mean, in Planet of the Pancake People, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, a race so stupid, they actually dropped it from the game. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, there are other inconsistencies. Is that the main inconsistency that, that gets you the most? Um, well, to do with Odyssey or to do with the game in total? Well, to do with Odyssey. I mean, the, there is stuff that we, we do have to accept. It's hand wavium because otherwise it won't work as a game. So, for instance, the limit on um, the speed limit in when you go flight assist off. Yeah. I think think we have to accept that there has to be a limit, otherwise the game mode just doesn't work. Yes, and that's what I mean is there has to be some things are because it's a game. I mean, until recently, it didn't make sense your NPC crew died if your ship blew up. Yeah, Suv? My, my thinking on this is that I am happy with the inconsistencies that Frontier themselves are aware of and have clearly thought about, but I'm, I, the ones that they haven't is their oversights that irk me. So it doesn't make any sense that, um, it doesn't make any sense that there is uh, instant communication um, in the game across incredible distances. Um, it doesn't make sense that the ships have a top speed um but uh but those things uh those things are necessary for gameplay um or un- or inescapable um and um and the you know the faster than light faster than light uh, travel for example is is utter utter fiction but it's it's necessary for gameplay terms and th- these things have all been evaluated by frontier but the thing things like things like artists doing ship interiors that that Clearly, are environments that are subject to gravity that are, that are for use in spaceships, which I suppose supposedly don't have any artificial gravity. Uh, that irks me because it's clearly not by design; it's clearly an oversight, and it contradicts other part of the of the world that Frontier have created. Things like the fr- the fleet carrier having the fleet carrier hangers having clear gravity when um, when they don't have spin uh, is is irks me because it's incons- it's internally inconsistent. So it, it's really the the, the things that. The things that Frontier have clearly thought about and uh, and sort of uh, what's the word rationalised to use that hateful word um, th- I, those are the ones that I'm 
that I don't mind. Um, and I don't really notice things like if I land at a, a planet and it's got a gravity that's too high for there to be a port on. Um, although now that you've mentioned it, I think it should be cut. Um, it's it's the ones where something clearly clearly contradicts Frontier's policy on on that particular topic um, that looks like an oversight are the one that irk, the ones that irk me the most. Okay, Mac. Uh, yeah, I, I can agree with a lot of that. The the thing at the crates, the coffee machine, that bothers me with the little coffee cup hanging down. It's supposed to be zero G, etc. Um, but it's only a minor bother. I can overlook it. Um, some other stuff, there, there's the hand wavium, because of course we all spend all this time in zero G. We should all be monstrously unhealthy. But the hand wavium, I can accept for that. Uh, the progenitor cells and performance enhancers, which means we can switch between zero G and positive G worlds quite easily. You know, we just, we, we have, we have, we take stuff, we take pills or whatever to, to make it tolerable. Um, uh, yeah, the, and yeah, the high G settlements in the high G worlds have always bothered me a little bit. Um, but only when I really think about it, but yeah, I'd like, like Akana, what is it? Akana six, is it? The, the, the one where it famously rained anacondas that one time when, uh, just after. Oh, that's on, that's in the of, Imperial system, isn't it? Yeah, we, 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 uh, we did, we did something a bit Shan-like in the EIC. We said we advertised cause we, we got famous for finding good trade routes, uh, back in the day when trading was really big. And we put on Reddit or somewhere this this trade route that was great, and you know, load up your anacondas with stuff at Akana, whatever it was. Was it two or oh, six? I, I, I don't I, remember. I remember this. And, and we all went there. Three, we, parked, three. we all we all parked on the planet and waited. And sure enough, it started raining anacondas. You could see, you could almost see the thought processes of the commanders as they arrived. You would see that the their ship would come down, pitch down. And then you'd see the desperate pitch-up maneuver, the desperate, th- the desperate boosting, and then the ship would hit the ground and bounce and then explode. And <laughs> yeah, anyway. You see, that's that's excellent. That's excellent. And what would be really good in if that was in Odyssey, you could, and again, if you could get out and go and do it. But what you could do, you could do a similar thing and have it rain, cut type lines and anacondas, and then nip out like wombles and just. Get all the remains of the ships and just sell them. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that would happen these days with engineering. You get all the engineering bits as they exploded. There, there is a there is a honey trap bit of emergent gameplay for you because we might be able we, we might be able to. Um, no, we can't do make that. people crash and then scavenge their ships. Well, they can't. We can't entice them out of their SRVs, can we? Because it won't let them go. But I was sorry. Just for for Sue jumps in, I was going to talk about the uh, so the bits that really kind of bug me in terms of taking me out of the game is the lag or lack of for Hollow Me. Um, you know, so I can be four thousand light years away and not get any lag at all. And um, the, the other one I, I cut is a little bit of a personal observation with mine is that it the bubble doesn't seem big enough to have the differences in culture and thing that we've seen between empire 
Air Federation Alliance because you can go from one side of the bubble to the other in 10 minutes or something like that. And, you know, it's like for me starting off my local town, going down the motorway for 10 minutes, and then I'm in the next city and having a, you know, it, I don't know, travel time seems too quick. Um, I'll hop in there because I, I'm aware that Colin has been momentarily uh, distracted by something that may have lasted eight seconds. Um, the uh, th- this actually is um, uh, this this is something that I thought of after you guys were talking about running anacondas. This is going to sound really picky, but I actually get really irked by the fact that you bounce when you when you have a high impact rapid disassembly. Um, if you if you crash into a planet, it. Um, uh, like the first time I crashed into a planet and died, it did annoy me slightly that I bounced. Like I would quite like to see crumpling. Does that make sense? Like you know, if you're if you're flying something that that if you're flying something the size of a village and you crash into crash into a planet at faster than the speed of sound, you I, I don't think bouncing would occur. Do you know what I mean? Like it would you 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 just crumple immediately. Um, and uh, there is a it, it slightly reminds I don't know when that whenever that happens to me or I see it, it reminds me that I'm playing a game. Um, does that sound like just intensely nitpicky? Yeah, yes, that um, that's that uh, spaceship crashed the other day. Um, SN nine, when that didn't bounce, did it? Exactly. Well, I don't know. I didn't watch it. I've got no idea. Yeah, but it it didn't have shields. Maybe the if you if you had shields, you bounce. <laughs> if you well, yeah, how how does that work though? Yeah, it, it doesn't. I, I I don't know. Like. It, it doesn't make any. I, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. I think it's just it's just the exploding routines. Uh, when when you hit zero hull, you don't explode immediately. Uh, the the explosions, the the way the explosions happen, are always basically the same. It sort of progresses along the ship, and yeah, you know, regardless of whether you're shot down or you collide, um, really, I mean, the way they could implement that is have multiple kind of death archetype so if you die by i mean the wreckage will bounce i mean like an airliner crashes the wreckage will bounce and will fly a long way uh it doesn't it doesn't all just stop in the crater some of it fly some of it bounces and flies on um the record the arc of the wreckage in elite is behaves normally behaves fine yeah uh, but what you should have is if you if you have a collision if your death is caused by a collision rather than being shot down instead of having the the progressive slow explosion you instead of you have a quick explosion so you you basically blow up instantly and then the wreckage can bounce because the wreckage will bounce after you have actually finished exploding currently the wreckage does actually Sort of bounce as you'd expect. Um, yeah. thinking it's, of, just the, it's just the explosion is delayed. Thinking yeah. about it, the whole 0% hull seems very arbitrary because, I mean, there are examples in, in modern warfare with warships where the inside of a warship has been completely gutted, but the hull is still intact and there's scuttled the ship and the ship has, has sunk without. Zero percent hull. It just seems a bit gamey to say when you've got no percent hull, that's when you blow up, not when you've lost so many subsystems. You know, you've I've got about that as well. Yeah, yeah. Star, Star Citizen has a system whereby you don't have. There's no percentage on the hull, um, and uh, it's done by subsystems. And you don't, you don't, you know, it 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 is not actually obvious when you, um, at least to my, uh, at least to to me, when um, when your ship is. Uh, about to explode. 
I don't, uh, you know, it, it, after having played both games, I actually think that having a percentage for the hull is is kind of fine. Like, it, yes, it is a bit gamey. It's not particularly realistic, but it's 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 basically hit. You have to have an easy way of telling, don't you? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's it's still a video game. You still need a you still need a means of of um, differentiating. And if you make it too realistic, like if you have it so that you know when your subsystems go down, you you lose more and more functionality, then um, then results will compound. So whoever gets first blood will have an immediate advantage because they'll have taken out a subsystem or whatever. Um, and then it will make it more likely that that they that the that they'll win the fight. If you have it so that everybody is broadly functional um, until they hit zero HP, then it means the fight you can you can still snatch victory from the jaws of defeat because you can the ships broadly have the same functionality until they hit that crucial zero threshold. Um, so it's, it's one it's one of those things that I'm happy to sacrifice because it's a game. Really, I would although, I would like sorry. Um, Although you do, you, I mean, you do have subsystem failures with elite. I mean, it's not like it's not like StarCraft Two, where a marine with full hit points does the same damage as a marine with one hit point left. Um, yeah. You, usually, if your shields go down, you will. Well, it depends what you're fighting. If you're fighting an NPC, maybe not so much. But certainly, if you're play, if you're fighting another player, and they start targeting your systems with super penetrator railguns. Um, you will over time you will get less and less effective even if you have a huge hull tank yeah that's true ideally i mean this is maybe straying from the subject a bit but i would like to have um different sizes of ship act differently to damage so for example if you are doing sidewinder versus sidewinder it will almost be like today's aircraft versus aircraft you know a couple of hits and that's it it's down but then if you go up to the anaconda or the corvette or the cutter then it becomes a, a slog fest and you then have the you know the chance for a critical hit like the one that sunk the hood you know that was a lucky shot went in the magazine and sunk the ship or you have to really pound at it until it finally goes down like a bismarck and you i think that would just help portray the size and power of the larger ships more rather than just becoming like a big version of an x-wing well uh, i haven't found i i haven't found that i've normally found that if you're flying around in a nippy little vessel normally you don't stand a chance against one of the bigger ships at all Unless you can get into its blind spot, and that, when you're dealing with another player, is is incredibly difficult to do. You you take um, without using stealth tactics in an say if you have a couple of e player eagles going up against an anaconda, the anaconda will still win, and it might still be a lot. The it might be a, a big lumbering uh, whale if you like, but you know if it's got the right weapons on it, those those eagles won't stand a chance. That's true, but you crucially can. It is. It's crucially still possible to beat a big ship and a small ship. It's elite's not built on big on biggest ship wins. You can. It, it, it skews the odds in your favour, but you can still win in a small ship. Sorry, I've ignored. Yeah. And yes, using using the um, the warship analogy, it de- and it depends on what frontiers view of the larger ships are. Are they like the classic World War Two battleship? which will take an awful lot of punishment and dish it out and it becomes a real effort to take them down? Or are they more like a modern destroyer 
which have got a lot of firepower, but a, a single aircraft with a uh, anti-ship missile can wreck it. And it depends on what the view of the of the larger ships are. I, I guess we're digressing from the science subject now. Well, yeah, I mean, that's going back to the balance pass. Uh, Mac, did you want to come in? Yeah. Um, funny enough about the Bismarck, um, that is that that's kind of that's kind of um, a good one about small things about big things because the way the Bismarck was sunk, it was a uh, a fairy swordfish dropped a torpedo that knocked the rudder off, which is actually what right, disabled yeah. it, and then they could all show up and and it was helpless, and then they could basically pound it to bits. But yeah, small ships versus big ships. I've, I've actually done this recently um, because I did for Sajai a review of the Sidewinder. Mm. And yeah, you can go into a conflict zone with a Sidewinder, which you've engineered with two Imperial Hammer railguns, which you've engineered. But your, your enemies will face very slow and a very humiliating death. I mean, humiliating because they can never get in a position to, if you're good enough, you can stay, you can stick on it. They, they just can't, a bigger ship just can't get into a firing position against you. But their death will be long and slow and incredibly drawn out. Best thing about using small ships, like a sidewinder with rail guns against a bigger ship, is it costs you buttons in rebuys if you're in the sidewinder, so you can just keep going at it, like nibbling them to death. <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't matter because you can die plenty of times. I think that's reassuring. <laughs> well, this is the thing. There used to be a there used to be a gang which would uh, they they had four sidewinders in a wing called surprise winders, equipped with rail guns. And there's a there's mm. a number of videos on YouTube of them finding uh, combat equipped player ships, interdicting them. And and you can always read, you can always see the thought bubbles in the the big ship <laughs> pilots above the ship, you know, like ah, sidewinders, what they think they're doing. And then you see them wake out as they realize they are in fact being ganked by four sidewinders. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah. I've done that. There was a CG many years ago where um I've forgotten the uh, the player group name now. It wasn't the code, it was one of those other pirates. <laughs> Groups and they were blockading the system mm-hmm. and stopping players from turning in their CG stuff. And so we oh, decided. Was, was this the FNS Nevermore CG? I, I think it was an Imperial system. But anyway, I, anyway, I went out with some friends and uh, we had rail winders and stuff like that. And we went out and we basically harassed ships. We'd interdict them and uh, the ships that were ganking other players, we just harassed them. We blew up a few, but it really didn't matter because if they killed us, it would only be like a couple of thousand credits rebuy. And in, in the end, they sort of realized that these little gnats that were firing railguns at them weren't going to go away. Mm. And it, it was going to cost them in, in a significant amount of rebuy and that we didn't care if we got killed or not because that, yeah. that was the fun. I mean, I, I think of all we've all heard stories similar to this one, which is uh, uh, basically. I think my favourite one was that I saw a a wing of four eagles, all armed with with real guns, take down a fully engineered anaconda, but they were stealth, you see, so there was nothing that the weapons on the anaconda could lock onto. And of course, you know, once those those ships uh, got into the you know into its blind firing arc. Then you know it was toast. 
Uh, and that was the one thing because um, before being in a, you know, having a wing of small ships didn't really count for much. But that seemed to change. Uh, you mentioned toast, Colin. Is that honey on the toast? Or? Well, hang on. I just said somebody killed an ana- the anaconda was toast. Is, that, is, that, is this where. Oh, you're not doing that you- bread thing again. Colin, we, we've talked about this. You can't just talk about bread. Especially on Pancake Day. <laughs> Is he talk? Does he turn into Talky Toaster? Yeah, from Red Bull. <laughs> no, but I am used to you lot waffling on. So oh, nice, nice. I wasn't ready for that. Oh, oh dear, Colin, can you fit a ball gag in a toaster? <laughs> I don't know, Sham. That's that is your that is your assignment for the next paper. week. We'll save it for Ben. I'm sure he knows. Um, <laughs> anyway, back to the topic about the science and stuff. Um, do we feel that Frontier have made the right calls for gameplay versus science? Do you think there's anything we think, well, uh, yes, I know you've done it for gameplay, but there were mm. better ways of doing it that's uh, more plausible? Great. Well, there question. is one thing. Really good. Question. There is one thing that, has, that's, that is worrying me about Odyssey. And that's the outposts. Now, at the moment, they're, they're saying, if you go and visit a bar or, the, you know, the, the commander's area in on a station, yeah, it's spinning. So basically, yes, you can. it's completely understandable why you can walk about. Gravity's fine. But outposts are zero G. And all of a sudden, they've said, oh, um, yeah, you're going to be using bag boots. And I'm, from what I've seen so far, I don't think they've taken any of that... Um, that into account. Yeah, it, it's, it's a case of oh no, you're you're walking around in mag boots, therefore, uh, and those mag boots will only work in corridors. Yeah, that, it, that, it that's just, my it, thinking as well. So that's just, like early Daleks were they? We you just <laughs> oh, because the first Daleks had these little strips that only they could go on around Scarrow City, and then they learned to hover. So. I don't get the back boot thing either because if I was designing an outpost and I wanted to maximize the space in said outpost, I would have so you could walk on the ceiling or on a wall and you just make it three dimensional. Yeah. Although you're going to have to have some surfaces where you like store stuff. And if and the other thing is you couldn't really, I mean, for practical purposes, you wouldn't want to walk in all four walls. Say, say, say you're in a corridor. It's already it's already going to be bad enough that there are people who are on the opposite surface, 180 degrees to you. So you're, you know, say you're, I don't know, six foot tall, and the other guy coming the other way, six foot tall, and you're in a corridor that's like maybe eight foot tall. If it, you know, if you let let's say let's call the floor down, and they're walking on the ceiling, and you're on the floor, you could quite easily crack each, yeah. each other's head. The thing is, if if now you add people on the sides as well. <laughs> it's it's going to be a bit of a nightmare just walking around. So in reality, you probably I mean, you see it in the expanse. I mean, I, the last episode of the expanse I watched last week, um, they had people walking the corridors. There are people walking on the top and the bottom surfaces, but not the side surfaces. Yeah. So you're going to have to have some limits. You're not going to probably want to walk on every single surface, and you're going to want some surfaces free for like putting stuff. And incidentally, that 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 thing about the boxes, stacks, and carriers—you know—that doesn't bother me too much because I think by thirty-three oh seven, 
we'd have systems where boxes can be conveniently stacked in zero g without needing to resort to straps or anything like that so you know that i i yeah you know, i i don't think they have to go completely overboard with the mag boots but it'd be nice to see being able to walk on the ceiling as well yeah ceilings and floors but maybe not sides hmm. interesting sue it's a really good point about cracking heads uh yes it's you absolutely wouldn't want all walls as thoroughfares um uh, but that there is more to environment design than where are you going to walk? I actually asked this question on Twitter. I, I, I said, uh, I said uh, it was addressed to FD, but um, but naturally they didn't answer, and all the community did. Um, and it was, you know, what 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 are we doing for inter- interior design of the outposts? Um, and everybody came back with mag boots. But that wasn't the question that I was asking. Really, it wasn't the question wasn't about player locomotion. It was about it was about level design, and um, as in like art. You know what? What will the interior of an outpost look like? They don't spin. They do, there's no artificial gravity. There's no. There's no down. It's not just about can we walk on the walls. It's also about is there a bar? Can you put things on the bar? Are there shelves? What mechanism keeps things on shelves? Like, can you pour things out out of objects into other objects, or do you have to use straws? You know, all all, all these questions. Like, you know, I, I I don't think that we would have in zero G. I don't think you would store things in the fleet carrier hangers in neat little. Stacks. I think you'd probably, if you had uh, like magnets or whatever to store boxes, you'd, you'd use the walls and the, and the ceiling as well. Um, so that irks me a little bit more than it does Mac. But the um, I share Colin's concern. Well, not concern, but like I, could, I share his uh, his th- his thinking about the um, the bars and the outposts being potential problem points because if then if they're not done well, it will really sap immersion in the setting if you if you disembark in, a, in the bar and an outpost and you're you're met by a cheerful bartender who who pours a drink into a martini glass and hands it over to you you'll be like well hold on what, what the hell i thought this was supposed to be a i thought this was supposed to be like a, a high fidelity scientifically plausible setting um the what the one that to, to answer the the original question which was um which was what things do you wish that Frontier had made different calls on which i think is a great question which i've not really thought about but the one that um i actually think um would be really cool would be as if if frontier hadn't implemented a top speed if you if you could just accelerate forever um because and i know that that sounds that sounds like it would be really problematic but if you think about it you can't fly that quickly in combat because because speed is at the expense of control um and yeah okay it would have it would it would have ramifications for things like racing but really how often does the absolute top speed govern how fast you go around a racetrack it's more often to do with control and i think that i think if you had control on an inverse if if you had control and speed as 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 inverse things where you were trying to balance them and the faster you went the less control you had i actually don't think the impact on gameplay would be that marked and it would just feel well, a lot I'm gonna more i'm going to have to interrupt you there because right. it does have a, a mark on gameplay it yeah. was part Frontier of first encounters yeah um it, we we played this for i think the, for about a month in the alpha they took the um the speed limit off for flight assist off and it was god awful it really was the entire combat system when you went flight assist off just broke really and yeah, yeah it, it really into, did oh turns, i wish i could have played that it, it turns into jousting and as um colin said it is like uh, first encounters too um yeah. and i was i was thinking also you know we talked about uh, management in the corridors well Tesco's are the answer now. They put the little um, lines which way you're supposed to go around <laughs> the shop. Um, yeah. 
But I was also thinking back previously in the show when we mentioned about the uh, if you haven't got Odyssey, you can't land on Odyssey planets. And Colin postulated, well, you'd have another module on your ship. And, and this is something else that I think that is there for gameplay reasons, not for logical reasons. Because if I can, like, if if I could fit a module in my ship that lets me land on a planet, mm-hmm. well, why can't I just buy that module in Modules R Us or something like that and just put it in my ship? If it's an add-on to the ship that allows me to do that, game, you know, game universe-wise, I, why can't I just go in and buy it? Right, well, I'll, we'll, we'll come on to that in a minute. Mac, do you want to quickly jump in from before? Yeah, I was just going to say that the Frontier First Encounters and Frontier Elite Two, they they both were fully Newtonian. In fact, to the extent you could, if you were careful, actually calculate the orbital speed of a planet and manually set it up. Um, the the combat in those, uh, with a great deal of practice, you could make it to not be jousting um and that came after there's a guy called john jordan who reversed long after fe uh, ffe had stopped being sold uh, had reverse engineered it fixed a lot of the bugs and also given all the thruster controls that we're now used to in elite dangerous because you only used to have basically pitch roll sorry your and pitch and four and a half thrust but they were all the other thrusters actually existed in the game. You just couldn't independently control them anyway. He added the controls. And with all that, you could actually make it that it wasn't just jousting, but the trouble is you wouldn't have these big you, you couldn't have these big furball fights. You'd eventually have two ships separate off and that was it. It would just be one on one. And by the time they'd finished with each other, they'd be like the best part of a thousand kilometers away from everyone else. You wouldn't have the the big glorious battles in in conflict zones or in, yeah. in the rings of, of of gas giants or anything like that. But so, it was yeah. how space combat would be though, wouldn't it? In, you know, people think of Star Wars and almost as if you are um fighting in a an atmospheric Yeah, and space. and like That's and like in it is, it'd be no, like in the like in the expanse, you know, it's it, it would be you'd you'd fire your weapons from God knows how far away, and you'd only have uh, so much delta. The the other thing, actually, to sort of an aside, the other thing about uh, frontier first encounters is if you cocked up your approach to a planet wrong, you could be literally as much as you know the best part of a day away from arriving because what you had is you didn't have super cruise you had something called the star dream which just sped up time because it was played effectively in real time Uh, and you would uh you would realize that you were still like nine hours away from wherever you're landing you're coming in too fast you're going to hit you're going to crash into the planet and explode and there was nothing you could do about it you could you just didn't have enough. You couldn't correct. You couldn't do anything with your course that was enough to actually miss the planet. So yeah, that was that was that was kind of a bit of a fun aside that you could um, you could end yeah. up kind of kind of screwing up your landing so badly that you like it was like hours in advance. You thought, well, that's it. I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that was one of the problems with. Um, <laughs> with frontier first encounters and front the original frontier is that the the newtonian physics 
I don't think the way you, sh- you control the ship in Newtonian physics worked uh, as well as later games like Iwar. I mean, I do know that uh, I'm well aware of the um, the John Jordan module, which went into I think everything ever since then because it, it that makes the game playable for most people. But it's one of the reasons why I was so relieved that they they were going back to the old older flight model. Uh, for Elite Dangerous, because I just knew that it wouldn't work as well. Interesting. Well, that's, especially that's really with the multiplayer thing, because you can't really do time acceleration once you once you multiplayer. You have to have a you have to have oh. a different solution so everybody stays synchronized up. The other thing about because the other thing to remember the the earlier points about the cultural differences in the bubble um, in. In universe speak, we've only had the frame shift drive as we know it for seven years now. Until then, it, I mean, there's a live radio advert about it, about you mm. aging, you know, you you aging slower than your children because you spend so much time in hyperspace that you know you you have your kids, you're age thirty, you have your kids, and then you do a lot of space trucking and you come back and they're older than you. Um, but that's how it that's how it used to be a hi- hyperspace jump the, the the clock would basically speed up but you'd realize you'd spent eight days in hyperspace and in fact that was that was the assassination technique is you got a ship that was fast through hyperspace you took one of the contracts you saw them depart the station uh, you scanned their you d- you did their basically you know like the high wake scan. And you jump to wherever they're going in a faster ship, and you would arrive before them and wait and wait for them to come out of the hyperspace cloud and ambush them. Yeah, you'd speed up, wouldn't you? You'd just sit at the base and then wait until the tide, then you'd catch them on the way out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, there's two ways. You could either blow them, blow them up when they're leaving the base and get a, you know, you get an extra criminal record, or you could follow them into hyperspace and overtake them in hyperspace and kill him in deep space once you exited okay well i'm, I'm going to, to to wrap this up so that we, we can uh cover some of the other stuff that we've got for tonight um just quickly though uh i'm going to ask each of you just your opinion um in order to keep things consistent especially with the kind of things like gravity uh would you uh Let's start with Shan. Would you be happy that stuff like the outposts and uh, the uh, any settlements on a, a planet above three and a half G be cut? I would have them. I wouldn't. I'd have them in the game, but I would have them so that if you drove past the window in an SRV, you looked inside and there's lots of puddles of goo <laughs> on the floor. But failing that, I, I think. You have to cut stuff that makes people ask, well, hang on, they can do that. Why can't I do that? And that's, that's, they should address that, that, hang on, I see NPCs doing that, or I see people have done that. Why can't I do that? Because that, that thing is what takes you out of the, out of it, out of the game. Okay. Sue? Yeah, I'd, I'd cut them. I, I, I'd, um, I'd take the approach that, individual settlements it's a proc gen game you know with with all the will in the world they're pretty cookie cutter if if it if it wouldn't be livable cut it out because it saps um it saps immersion um i don't think anybody (laughs) would miss i don't think anybody would miss an individual planetary settlement that much Mm. uh mac what do you think if in doubt chuck it out (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah 
there there we have it um the message the message is please be please be consistent with your scientific um shenanigans <laughs> and also chuck out things like npcs having battery packs that players can't have while you're yes. at it yes npc on foot with infinite oxygen and whatnot <laughs> I don't know if they'll have infinite oxygen after you shot holes in them. So, right. They've got more than enough battery to keep going. Hmm. Right. Well, like I said, we're going to leave. We're going to move on. Um, now, we did have a question of the week a couple of weeks ago, and we did have um, uh, Commander Card's son uh, reply to us on the forums. And it's quite a long post, uh, but. I think I think um, one of the first things he's he's actually complaining about is the fact that there was no there was a, a the the frozen no song was quite good <laughs> that's always <laughs> good uh, but he makes an interesting point about subscriptions which we were talking about he says the bad thing about subscriptions is the returning player ID uh, has a barrier that's very hard to overcome once you've quit you've normally gone. Because a subscription is mandatory, it suddenly becomes a valid check on how much content you've received for your money. And no sub-game in history has delivered game content to match the money that you spent in the same amount as other games. Nothing at all is positive in hindsight of an ex extended subscription experience. Good point that Frontier are motivated to work on the, on the advanced game features. Uh, but maybe we should do Kickstarters for bug fix packages. Yeah, it's, a good, it's a good post. It's a really, it's a really, really good post. I'm interested. I, I, I still think that a subscription that you could freely pause um, would. I mean, my idea. I, I've not, I've not paid a subscription for a game, so I don't, um, so I don't have anything to compare it to. But when I, when I say subscription, my idea is that you pay ten pounds a month to play the game that you want. You pause that subscription whenever you're not playing it, um, and you. Uh, and if you pause it, it's not like you lose you lose goodies that you had as a subscriber. You just pick them up again whenever you start paying your subscription again. Um, but that is not that that apparently is not the same as the subscriptions that other people have experienced. So, are you games. talking about you buy a certain amount of hours in the game a month, and then once you've played that certain amount of hours, so it's like an electric meter, I guess. Where no, no, not at all. No, no, you pay ten pounds a month, and you can play the game for that month. And then on the first, you've got to pay that's another ten pounds if you want to play the game for the next that's month. Part. That's what a normal subscription model is. You don't tend to lose progress or items and stuff when you stop subscribing. They, they, sometimes they do delete characters after a couple of years of not logging on or something like that, but generally they keep your progress until yeah, okay. you come back. Interesting. Yeah, but I, I will agree with this, the issue about the returning player because um, with SOTOR, for instance, uh, for me, it has been basically difficult to resubscribe to SOTOR, even though there's been a couple of things in there that uh, I really wanted to do. Um, I think I, I was actually gifted a couple of uh, uh, a, a couple of subscript, you know, a couple of months subscription, uh, which got me back into the game. But without those that that freebie, if you like, I wouldn't have started up on it again it's complete because basically you sort of the, there is a point where you think well should i try sotor again just just to see and 
the fact that you're going to have to go, well, there's still a tenner a month for, you know, for the decent stuff. Should I? Should oh, you I see really you mean, have yeah, the, yeah. And it does sometimes feel like a job. A second, like Chan was saying, it feels like a second job because basically you've you've paid that money. You won't obviously don't want to waste that money. So, yeah, interesting. <laughs> okay, got, yeah, okay. That that, that would be a, a perverse outcome that I wouldn't I wouldn't think would be a good thing. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so well, thanks thanks for that, Commander Commander Cardson. Um, I do notice that he's got uh, uh, a picture of of. Uh, card from the star wars legends um right now the, the question that we'd like to um to ask you all this week is basically the same as we've been asking the, the panel i mean do you think that uh oh actually no this one's a bit different actually uh do you think that if a system has a population greater than zero it shouldn't have any reward in universal cardiographics similar to like the if a population if a system has a population greater of zero, you can get first footfall. Well, doesn't that mean the same thing for universal cartographics? We'd like to know what you, you think of that one. Because again, yeah. that is kind of shut content, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, has anybody else got any other business that they'd like to quickly bring up, apart from pancakes? Uh, nope. Excellent. Right. Well, in that case, we're going to start wrapping up the show. Uh, we'll give our usual shout-outs. First of all, our sister station, Hutton Orbital Radio. It broadcasts on a Thursday at uh, half past eight. Uh, you can tune in at twitch.tv, Hutton Orbital Truckers, or just, if you want the audio, go to radio.forthemug.com. For the discerning commander who likes a bit of CQC action, check out the CQC Discord at discord.me slash CQC. For those who want a literary discussion about sci-fi and fantasy books, please subscribe to the Data Slate podcast, which is created by our station commander, Alan Stroud. Right, we're going to give a shout out to the following Elite Dangerous podcasts. So hello to Loose Screws, Elite Week, Flight Assist, um, there's Elite Cast for the Spanish speakers out there, the Canon Podcast, Fatherhood Podcast, Squeaking Fuel, and the Guard Frequency, who do other space sims as well. So following this, we have the latest Galnet News Digest, as provided by uh, Commander Witherspoon and with contributions from Commander Beetlejude. Uh, and we'd like to thank everybody who's chipped in on the Twitch chat. And, well, unfortunately, we won't have any in-game commanders tonight because Ben had to run. Um, so that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email info at laveradio.com, hit us up at facebook.com slash laveradio, tweet us at laveradio. You can join our Discord server by going to discord.io slash laveradio. You can have a TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat, and you can find that at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Now, do get in touch if you've got any questions or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss in a future episode. Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at 8.30 GMT and streamed out on laveradio.com slash live. So thanks to Shan, thanks to Ben, thanks to... Uh, Mac and thanks to Souverine and special thanks goes to today's tech specialist, Commander Ventura. So until next time, commanders, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Is
Forget the Uranus talk. This is the new outro. According to uh, scientists, Uranus is full of methane gas. You've been dying for something to replace your Uranus. I think you're right, though, Colin. (laughs) (laughs) What have you done with Shan, and when can we have him back? I don't know. I'm quite attached to this one, to be honest. Yeah, that that butt-clenching really was awesome. Galnet News Digest, 16th of February 3307. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, Lacon saved by Alliance buyout. Summit's gonna happen. Rochester gets a bloody nose. Lacon saved by Alliance buyout. The prospect of Lacon Spaceways being bought out by forces hostile to the Alliance has been banished after the Alliance Assembly voted overwhelmingly to acquire a majority holding in the ailing spaceship manufacturer. The manufacturer had recently shown itself vulnerable to hostile takeover with Core Dynamics very nearly completing a deal and Sirius Corporation expressing an interest. Chair of Lacon's Board of Directors, Naomi Landseer, welcomed the government purchase of a controlling share in the company as building on past collaborations and stressed that the availability of Lacon ships throughout the galaxy could now continue uninterrupted. Lacon Spaceways was founded in what is now Federal Space back in the 27th century. It wasn't until the end of 3303 that its partnership with the Alliance began, with the commissioning of the Type 10 Defender as a robust anti-Thorgoid gun platform. The Chieftain, Challenger and Crusader followed, but Lacon's staples remained the Type 9 Heavy Freighter and the lightweight, all-purpose, Asp Explorer. Not everyone was happy with the deal. Prime Ministerial candidate Nakato Kane led a small band of Assembly members who voted against it. It was announced that Lacon's corporate headquarters will be moved adjacent to the seat of Alliance government in Alioth, as will much of the manufacturing capacity. The Alliance Council of Admirals has expressed its gratitude that the supply of military equipment 
has been safeguarded. Summit's going to happen. There's a galactic summit starting on the 25th of February, and it's going to be attended by top politicians from around the galaxy. In unrelated news, there's a bunch of ruthless, well-connected and deadly neo-Marlinist terrorists on the loose. What could possibly go wrong? Well, it's perfectly possible that the summit will go well, that the leaders of the superpowers will meet, that they'll sign memos of understanding, hold press conferences, where they shake hands with each other while maintaining fixed smiles for the cameras, and that everyone will steal the toweling bathrobes and the toiletries from their hotel rooms and return to their respective home systems without incident, safe in the knowledge that the galaxy is just a little bit better organised and just a little bit less likely to disintegrate into a bloodbath of warring powers and superpowers than it was the previous week. Does that seem a likely scenario to you? It's not, is it? Something is going to go badly wrong. And Galnet News Digest Money is on a terrorist attack. We don't yet know who the Federal and Alliance delegates will be, but the Empire has been very clear about who it is sending and who will be staying safely back home. It's almost like a dungeon master making sure everyone is clear about where everyone is standing before they open the door. So, who will be where? Emperor Arissa Lavinia Duval will not be attending. She's washing her hair that day, and meeting with dissenters like the Marlinists would be setting a bad precedent. Queen of the Slavers, Zamina Torval, will not be attending. She will be chairing the Senate in a temporary capacity because Chancellor Anders Blaine will be away from the Empire during the summit. That's because Blaine will be at the summit, representing the Emperor. For a long time, Emperor Hengist's right-hand man, Blaine, was accused of disloyalty when members of his staff sided with Empress Dawn, the traditionalist movement that advocated the abolition of the Senate and autocratic control by an Emperor that it, Empress Dawn, would choose. Somehow, Blaine managed to retain the trust of the present Emperor Arissa and remains Chancellor 24 years after his appointment. Senator Denton Petraeus will also be at the summit. Like Blaine, he had indirect links to Emperor's Dawn. It was one of Petraeus's patrons, Brendan Paul Darius, an Emperor's Dawn sympathiser, who on the 5th of August 3301 struck the fatal blow that led to the death of Emperor Hengist. Petraeus redeemed himself by tracking down and destroying the Emperor's Dawn movement over the following year. Petraeus has also been the scourge of the neo-Marlinist terrorist movement, disrupting the lives of many peaceful Marlinists in the process. But ultimately, it is Petraeus who must take responsibility for allowing the daring escape of the so-called Theta NMLA terrorist cell from an Imperial interrogation centre. The final Imperial delegate other than all the bureaucrats, is Princess Ashling Duval. Once again, she was tainted by association with the Empress Dawn ultra-traditionalist movement, and more recently, the isolationist Nova Imperium movement, the leader of which, Hadrian Janssen, who now styles himself Hadrian Augustus Duval, she helped reconcile with the rest of the extended Imperial Duval family. Her father, the dissolute Prince Harold, was assassinated by the Neo-Marlinists last year, so it seems unlikely she has a lot of sympathy for the terrorists. 
Among others, this imperial delegation of Blaine Patrius and Ashling Duval will be meeting with two of the leaders of the recently settled Marlinist colonies, First Minister Jenna Fairfax and Minister Aaron White, who has recently stated that one of his objectives is not to have his own kingdom outside the empire, but to remove the king, by which he presumably means emperor, from within the empire. So, this meeting between Marlinists and Imperials might get a little heated. Marlinist minister Amrita Ross will not be attending. But what about that theta neo-Marlinist terror cell that Petraeus let slip through his fingers? Unlike the Marlinists, the NMLA believes in violent means to achieve their objective. Other than assassination, they have five times used Thargoid caustic enzyme technology coupled with a delivery system developed by engineer Liz Ryder to cripple starports, the last time being the bombing of Federal Starport Kepler Orbital to kill the Nine Martyrs, NMLA terrorists who might otherwise have been tortured into releasing information about the terror group. The Theta Stell is believed to still have a bomb-making factory in LTT 1935. With a bit of work, that factory might be discoverable but no one has yet reported its whereabouts. It would be fanciful to imagine the NMLA is not considering some plot against the Galactic Summit, although the nature of the action cannot yet be known. Will they bomb the venue? Will they attempt to take hostages? Would commanders take up arms to rescue old Chancellor Blaine from their clutches? How about Imperial Navy mastermind Petraeus? How about Princess Ashling? Of course, the NMLA will have to get past the might of the Sirius Corporation's private navy if it wants to take the hostages. The Corporation's musclemen, Sirius Navy, is good at persuading independent systems to buy Sirius products, and their methods are not necessarily entirely above board. But can they stop determined terrorists? With little over a week to go before the start of the summit, it won't be long before we find out. Rochester gets a bloody nose. It's seeming all but certain that renegade entrepreneur Jupiter Rochester is more gas than giant, as his attempts to establish a new base for the so-called Jupiter Division in HIP 54530 are foiled by a large federal force intent on arresting him and shipping him back to the Federation to face the quite possibly inevitable consequences of arranging for the federal president to be blown up. The Silver Legal Group, which is organising this work, has a clear upper hand in the war of attrition to clear the system of Jupiter Division's forces. So, unless Rochester can summon up a miracle, or unless he leaves the system soon, his time as a renegade fleeing from federal justice seems likely to be short-lived. With Zachary Hudson, who became president as a consequence of Rochester's treason, losing ground in the opinion polls, and with Rochester's family disowning him, it seems he has few friends left he can turn to. It seems that Jupiter Rochester could soon end up sharing a cell with disgraced Fleet Admiral Lucas Vincent. Unless, of course, he can persuade the NMLA to rescue him. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News. We read the news so you don't have to.
the Red Planet Taxi Service have recently moved into the luxury liner market, and their flagship, Big Red Taxi, has been plying the space lanes in Wolf 25 for some weeks now. We join Trace and Chantal in the food prep area on board. All right, Chantal, do business class and you do luxury this time, all right, babe? Tea, coffee, coffee, tea, tea, coffee, coffee, tea, tea, coffee, tea, madam. Friendly, madam, enjoy your tea, madam. Tea, coffee, coffee, tea. Oh, could I have an orange juice, please? Tea, coffee, coffee, tea. Oh, yes, but I'd like an orange juice if I could, please. Tea, coffee, coffee, tea. Oh, okay. Uh, tea then, please. Tea, sir? Let me, sir. Enjoy your tea, sir. Tea, coffee, coffee, tea. 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 Tea. Before you get all sorts here, smells like it too. Murph, horrible stains, marigolds. What's that? There you go. Donkey dick. It says here. Next. My dear man. Like an obese child. No. It's the 34th century. Fix that. Patient. Nada. Sounds with Jesse, because it is Michelle. This is Beyond Dockers. Beyond Dockers, a mockumentary podcast available at bs-dockers.com. Also on iTunes. Lave Radio, transmitting to every corner of the galaxy. Nate